0: Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, I want to thank you so much for our church, for our family, for the people in our church. I want to thank you for the past and its pains. I want to thank you for the future and its gains, its promises. I want to thank you, Lord, for the commitment and the, 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 the dedication of many in our church. I also want to ask you for your forgiveness, Lord, for my lack of leadership and my lack of uh, ability to be able to create an environment of consecration in our church. Perhaps I'm not praying enough. Perhaps there is, there is a lacking in my leadership or in my preaching. Whatever it is, Lord, I'm willing to fix. But I want you, Lord, to breathe revival into our church. I want you to breathe revival into our church, O oh God. I want you to speak to the men of our church and to get them to take ownership. I right? Get them to take uh, their spiritual life seriously. Father, we are Sunday Christians at best. And we allow for other spiritual input into our life only at the convenience of our body. Our body still rules us. We idolize our body, we idolize our jobs, we idolize our schedules. Lord God, I pray against that in the name of Jesus. I pray that you would even allow suffering, even allow pain in order to break us out of our patterns. And I pray that, I pray for the men of our church. I pray, O oh God, that whether they are just sons or fathers... Uh, Lord, they would wake up out of the apathy. Father, we lack the, the consecration, we lack the dedication, we lack the commitment, the spiritual, spiritual resolve that is, that is indicative of, of men who are dedicated to the gospel of Jesus Christ, who are empowered by the Holy Spirit and who are living for an audience of one, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Start with me, O God. Whatever you see wrong in my life, you fix that, Lord. I'm willing to make any and every change for you to fix me first. But I pray that we might, we might all as a community reach out to you. Father God, in our men's fellowship, we've had, uh, we've had close to zero attendance, and it's just not a priority. Over the last three weeks, the attendance at Sunday, Sunday services for the worship at the Lord's table has dropped miserably. And Father, as much as there, you have encouraged me to show me the commitment and the and the passion of of believers around the world, I come back to my own church and my heart grieves, oh God, that we are not completely and totally uh, dedicated to you. You are not first in our lives. We are not willing to sacrifice stuff, people, schedules, in order to put you first. And I am praying this, Lord, out of conviction first of my own, Shortcomings, but also on behalf as a priest, on behalf of our congregation. Lord, I pray that you would breathe life, especially into our men, also to our women and our children. Lord God, that there would be a revival of spiritual sorts. I pray that you would that our hunger, our appetite, would return. So you would heal our spiritual sickness, so that our spiritual appetite may return, and we would eat spiritual food. We would be hungry for the word. Many have not opened their Bible in months and years. Many have not studied the word in months, Lord. Many do not know what the promises and purposes are for their lives in uh, in the word of God. And many are just not interested in putting you first, but they want you to put them first. Father, we are hypocritical and we fall short in this matter. And I ask in Jesus' name for your forgiveness. Have mercy on us, O God. Especially us fathers. Especially us husbands. Forgive us, O God. And pour out your spirit upon us. Breathe fresh life into us. Because Saul didn't turn on his own to become Paul. Nicodemus didn't turn on his own. Nobody reaches out to God. There is no faith. There's none righteous, no, not one. And the, the spirit of God has to breathe faith into us and, and then we can respond. And you are the one that switches the lights on. You are the one who changes hearts. This, one, this day I ask you this one thing. Wake our men up, oh God, before it's too late. Protect them right now as they miss Waterline and miss church and indulge and compromise with the world. Protect them right now, I pray. I pray we put a hedge around them. Protect them from women who will take advantage of them while they are away from you, Jesus. Protect them from the colors and the lights of this world that seem more bright and shiny and welcoming while they are away from you, Jesus. Protect them because they are sheep that have wandered away from the flock and are alone and the wolf will go after the lone sheep. Protect them, O oh God. Cover them. I pray for our children, for our teenagers. As they go away to college, as they go away to, to school, Father, as they are away from fellowship, away from, from close family, protect them, O oh God. I speak, speak against Satan and against the wicked one and against the, the crafty uh, wiles of the devil. And for, Father, as he goes after our little ones, as he goes after our strayed men, oh God, I pray that you would put a hedge around them give them some sense and bring them back home oh god i pray for our men i pray for our sisters i pray oh god for our children i pray for our teens and i ask for a covering over them for the sins they have committed knowingly and unknowingly i pray for your forgiveness for all the things that they are doing wrong and that they would not feel so sick of themselves that they will not come running back to the father i pray oh god for your forgiveness over them and your grace upon their lives so that they may be sustained during their season of rebellion or their season of wandering. I beg you, Jesus, bring them back. Speak to us now, Lord. We want to hear your voice. Not my opinion, not anything else. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you got your notes with you, we are in the book of James, and we're in part seven today. And I ask that you... Uh, you kind of go back and remember all that I have taught in the first six se- uh, parts. And if you haven't gone, you can go to the YouTube channel, go to my app, and you can listen to the first few ones. We've enjoyed two chapters. And today we're in chapter three. Today we're in chapter three, James chapter three. Everybody ready? One of my favorite lines in uh, the movie Shrek. you know Donkey, he talks a lot and he just doesn't shush, he talks a lot and he and Shrek are walking down and they're talking a lot and he gets upset and he's arguing with Shrek and he says to Shrek I have the right to remain silent to which Shrek responds you have the right to remain silent what you lack is the capacity and that's a classic Eddie Murphy moment there but I Words, our tongue, sometimes we say words will never hurt me, sticks and stones. Words will never hurt me. No, I think words will hurt you more. We use the phrase, something someone once said. He was so famous and so wise that we forgot him. In fact, it will change the course of your destiny. Words, two words will change the entire course of your destiny. I do. <laughs> Life will never be the same again. We're all living by someone's words. Isn't that true? We're all living by someone's words. In fact, we're all unliving someone's words. I'm not going to be like that. I'm not going to talk one. Let's look at uh, today's passage. Let me read it for you real quick. It's a long passage, 12 verses, but let me read it for you real quick. Now, many of you should become teachers. Uh, this is James chapter 3 verse 1. My brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to, do, able to bridle his whole body. But... If we put bits into the mouths of the horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, so large strong winds, they are guided by a very small, small rudder. Uh, wherever the will of the Pilot directs. So also the tongue is small, yet it boasts of great things. A great forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be. Does a spring does a spring pour forth from the same opening or from the same mouth, both fresh and salty water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Can a grapevine produce figs? Nah neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. James tells us four things about the tongue. Four things about the tongue. He's very pictorial. Remember James is the half-brother of Jesus. His Christianity is a very Christianity on two feet kind of Christianity. Very real, very in your face, very next to you. Uh, it's not institutional. It is not ceremonious. It is not, uh, it is not religious. It is a very real life sort of Christianity, right? So, he tells us about the tongue, and in all of this, he's talking about being genuine, being real, and he gets to the bottom of it. In fact, if you, if you, uh, you and I often look for that secret. We look for that. That that secret formula, that one way to do it. If I can get this one thing right, everything else in my life will fall apart. If I can figure out this one weight loss secret, everything else will just fall fall in place. If I can figure out this one thing to becoming sharp and have my memory, etc., etc., everything else will fall in place. This one area, if I can get right, my life will fall in place. You and I are like that. And James is saying, this is it. This is it. You want to get your whole life together? You want to be on top of things? Get this in order. He tells me four things about the tongue. Write it down. Number one, talking is where we stumble the most. Talking is where we stumble the most. Verse two says this, talking is where we stumble the most. It's the area we have the most regrets. The most regrets, the most damage we have done in our life is because of our our speech, because of our words, because of our talking. Times we should have said something, and we didn't. Times we should have sh- zip, and we, we just let fly. We just went for it. And we claim freedom of speech. Waving the Indian flag, we claim freedom of speech. You have the right to remain silent, but you lack the capacity. Yeah. So James is very real and I like the way he kind of starts out. He says, we all stumble in many ways. Circle all, circle many. We all stumble in many ways. First and foremost, let's begin with the fact that we're all in the same plane. You say, no, no, I, I am an introvert. I hardly speak. Yes, you hardly speak words, but it's all over your face. You may be being absolutely quiet and become a mystery to the rest of the world, but your face is breaking out in a rash. There's pus and zits and everything coming out every end and we know what you're thinking. You're not hiding anything. It still comes out. Words are how we express ourselves. We all stumble in many ways. We're all on the same platform. Then he says, but you've got to get a grip on your mouth. A guy who gets a grip on his mouth is perfect. In the Bible, perfect means mature. It doesn't mean he has never sinned. It doesn't mean he is sinless. When, a, when he says a man is perfect, it means he has come to completion. He is fully baked. He is, he is, he is mature. Uh, we present every man mature. Colossians chapter 1 verse 28. Right? So maturity is the secret to being able to control your tongue. Maturity is the secret to be able to control your tongue. Mature people know what to say, when to say, why to say, how to say. Is everybody with me? That comes from maturity. That maturity is the state of your pond. It is the state of your spring. Salt spring? Fresh spring. Salt spring, fresh spring. Okay? So he says if you got a grip on your mouth, you are smart, you are Perfect. But if you have that grip on your mouth, you're also are able to take care of the rest of your body. Everything else also kind of comes under that control. And you're able, if you can control your tongue, everything else is a piece of cake. The rest of your body is not going to be such, like your appetite, your waking patterns, your sleeping patterns. All of those disciplines are not half as hard as little. Right? There's no zip there. Sometimes we need to put a zip and that's the problem. We don't have, it's a muscle and it is disconnected from the brain. And that muscle, if you can come under control of the brain, then all the rest of the body won't have half as much of a problem. And he gives you two pictures, two metaphors, two examples. First example of a horse, the second example of a ship. And he uses the word bridle. That's where you get the horse analogy from the metaphor. The bridle is placed in the horse's mouth and the driver is able, not the driver, the rider, the rider is able to rein in and control the wild horse. Two analogies, one is of a horse, a horse who is wild but will still obey you because of bitten bridle in the mouth and you are able to bring that. Just with one thing, small thing, they're able to control the horse. The horse is a wild animal. The other example he gives is of a ship. A ship is a big ship. It's not a wild ship. It's a big ship. So you have a wild horse and you have a big ship. A big ship is controlled by a small rudder. So notice those words. He says great fire, great uh, forest, great winds and small. Remember small tongue, small fire. The horse is able to obey us. The ship is able to transport us. Large ship, small rudder. Strong winds, small rudder. The ship is large, carries a lot of weight. So when the ship says something, people listen. You know what I'm talking about? No, you're not listening to me. The ship is large. It carries a lot of weight. When the ship says something, it means a lot. Coming from the ship, those words are big words. The ship shouldn't have said that. The ship shouldn't have said that. Can you imagine that the ship said that? It's all over the news that the ship said that. When it's a big ship, it carries big value. Then you have the great winds. The great winds. The great winds or the storms are external influences to the big ship. Now the big ship has its own problems. Okay? Because it carries a lot, it's a lot of weight. It carries a lot of influence. But it is also influenced by external winds and you can say oh the situation i didn't i couldn't control myself i just had to say it." now yes you can yes you can you can control yourself so when he says it is not controlled by the winds it's not controlled by the size it is controlled by the small rudder and the pilot read your bible and the pilot is able to direct the big ship through the great winds did you get that The pilot is able to direct the big ship through the great winds. How are you able to go against those odds, fight against those winds? How are you able to control such a big ship? Simply by a small rudder. And your tongue is that rudder. Your tongue is that rudder. So James is working with some pictures here. And he says, so also the tongue is small, but boasts of great influence. Number one, talking. What? I don't trust you. Talking is where we stumble the most. Not mumble the most, stumble the most. All right, talking is where we... The second one, write down. Talking is how we influence the most. A small tongue, but great influence. A small tongue, James says, but great influence. Wow, it means every word that comes out of my mouth is directing someone's end, directing someone's life. Directing someone's destiny. Talking is how we influence the most. He says, How great a forest, great meaning big, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Some guy lights a cigarette and throws a cigarette. Some electrical spark. Some fellow went camping, didn't know which end of the stick to burn. And before you know what, the whole Amazon has come down. Okay? They decide to burn the stubble in Haryana. And we are unrecognizable because we're wearing masks. The tongue is a fire. The tongue is a fire. And a small fire can take down a big forest. What are we talking about? Influence. We're talking about influence. And I like the way he works with small and big. Small and big. He says it's a small fire, but it's a world of unrighteousness. A world of unrighteousness in my mouth. The Bible says where words are many, sin is not far. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. I just stopped and I was just looking at that phrase. I'm like, so true, so true. We talk, we use words, we influence people. We influence people. You think you're not important. You think your words don't matter. I was just saying. That's the Indian phrase. Just saying. There is no just saying. Either you didn't say it, or you said it you didn't there's no underline or highlight to things that come out in your mouth you notice when you're speaking there's no highlights there's no underlines it's only in text but when you're speaking you can even do air quotes but when you're speaking it's out there it's gone you have said it and you can't turn tuck it, take it back and say i was just saying what does that mean it doesn't have influence you know even on the text, even in Twitter and everything. Da, da 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 da, da just saying. No, you're not just saying, you are really saying. And there, it is influential. And it is those side comments that mum used to say, that dad used to say, that brothers, sisters, it's the side comments, it's not the great things that they said to us during family prayer. It's those side things, it's those remarks that teachers would just let fly on the end under their breath that marked you and influenced you. In fact, it's something that someone said in an influential way, in an encouraging way, and said, no, maybe not, I think you can do it. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I can. And that, are you with me? Powerful, words are powerful, but here's what I'm correcting you on. You think your words are not powerful. You think your words are not powerful you think you are just 20 years old or 20 or 30 or 35 40 years you think that you don't have that much influence maybe it's not valuable to you but your words carry weight because it doesn't have to be a big fire it can be a small fire with a great forest it doesn't have to be a big ship it can be a small rudder any size of ship and it will change the direction and we have to be careful with our words. We'll get back to that. But talking is how we influence the most. Today, one of the newest uh, brands in the market of careers is called motivational speakers. But they're going and motivating everybody else to succeed at whatever they want. And their job is to motivate them. And they're making money from just providing Motivation. They're making, they're making money from people who are so unmotivated to just get up and succeed in their own lives. See, leadership, let me tell you about leadership. Leadership is getting you to contribute your life to my purposes, to my goal, to my. I, I'm trying to influence you to. I, I, I like that. I mean, that makes sense. It's not great, but it makes sense. Leadership could also mean to help all of you and our society uh, be our very best. That could also be good leadership, honorable leadership, uh, servant spirit. But motivating you to succeed in your own life because you don't have any motivation, but yet they do it. And they are making more money than the guy who actually succeeded. That's the power of words. And they don't give it, they don't tell you by showing you pictures of daffodils and 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 outer space and all that they don't do they don't have testimonies of all the other people who succeeded in that scene of work they just use words use words some of those powerful speakers preachers on TV today are not the ones holding the Bible up and says this is what the Bible says and reading King James Version and and connecting the dots for you the most powerful preachers are the one are the big one liner guys you know the the Instagram worthy preachers. And they're, they're just basically speaking in one lines. And, and it's very powerful. And you're like, well, Yeah, that's a good one. Almost like as if God thought of it. You know? And we're like, that's the power of words. It's the power of words. And we are using that to influence people. Write it down. The second one is talking is how we influence the most. No other thing you do influences people more than what comes out of your mouth. Number three, talking is how we direct our future. I found this particularly compelling. Talking is how we direct our future. Here is where James takes a little bit of an extra uh, turn and he talks about where the tongue is placed. Not just that we have a tongue, but where it is placed. So he says, the tongue tongue is set among our members. Read the word. This is the word of God. Every word is powerful, okay? The tongue is set among our members. What's he talking about? Tongue is right here in your head, okay? It's a muscle. It's a muscle. It's not even an organ. It's not like a kidney, which is like pretty cool you know or pancreas or like you know it, it's it's a muscle wow and it's set right here between the two ears and the eyes under the brain some are connected some are not connected then there's a heart down here and in amongst all my anatomy it is set in the middle are you getting what james is trying to say here right Number one, he says, the tongue is set among our members. Then he says, staining, say it with me, staining the whole body. This tongue influences all the other members. All the other members. When do you get stressed? When you start talking too much? When you start blabbering? When you lose control, when your own words start bugging you, you know, so you say something because you're bugged, then you're bugged because you said that, stays the whole body. Then it says, setting on fire, the whole body, then he says, setting on fire, the very course of our life, you got that? Got that? Setting on fire, the course of our life, and then finally he says, setting fire on the fire of hell itself. I I want to unpack this for us. The tongue is set among our members. Okay, got that. But it's right in the middle of all our members and it stains everything else. It decides everything else. How you say is soon going to be how you see. How you say is soon going to be how you hear. How you say, how you speak is soon going to be how you feel. Are you getting this? You don't just say, and it's not independent from everything else that is going on. Amidst you, inside of you. Everything, every part of you gets involved with this. Then he makes this massive statement. He says, setting on fire the course of our life. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. Those of you online, listen to me. When you speak, there's something known as self-fulfilling prophecy. Let that sink in for just a minute. Something known as self-fulfilling prophecy. It's a big business out there and motivational speakers will talk to you about talking to yourself. Talk to you about talking to yourself. And they'll tell you what to tell yourself because you didn't know. They had to tell you that. Right? It was in the Bible all along, but they they told you that so that they can earn the money for you to be motivated by basically telling yourself to be motivated. Now, self-fulfilling prophecy is when I say something and then it comes true because I said it. Now, that's not always how it's going to be. But when something is a pattern, listen very carefully to me. When something becomes a pattern and something becomes a habit, then you set the course of your life by the way you talk. When you say, I'm never going to amount to anything. Nothing's ever going to work for me. Nothing's ever going to work for me. These people will always disappoint me. That person will always be the same. I knew they will let me down. When you say it, when you speak it, it's the opposite of speaking the promises of God. Declaring the promises of God. Declaring that God has said yes and answered your prayer. Declaring thanks to God in faith that God has answered your It's the power of that at work in a negative way. When you say to yourself, it'll never happen, it will never happen. When you say to yourself, that person is going to let me down, they're going to let me down. You're going to grow up to become nothing. They will grow up to become nothing because you are the prophet. You're the prophetess. You're the one who's saying they're going to become nothing. May your words come true. So self-fulfilling prophecy as well as for others, we set the direction, we set the course of other people's lives by this little rudder we call the tongue. And God has given to us words not for us to just ramble, not for us to just say, but for us to build one another up in love. To speak the truth. Not teach the truth, not paint the truth, not video the truth, but to speak the truth in love. God has put a tongue in your mouth to come under the influence of the brain to be able to speak one another up towards the truth. Look at this phrase again. Setting on fire the very course of our life. Talking is how we direct our future. We'll come back to this. Lastly, write this down. Talking is how we reveal our nature. Talking is how we reveal our nature. This is very interesting. All kinds of creatures. Have you watched AGT? You don't watch AGT? Do you watch AGT? All kinds of creatures. They've got monkeys, they've got dogs, they've got rats. Her husband is not listening to her, but she's taking great pride in the fact that rat is listening. Chickens playing the national anthem. And James says, we are able to tame all kinds of creatures, reptiles, wild horses. But we cannot tame the tongue. That is one insane animal. But he says it takes maturity to get a control on what we say. Why maturity? Maturity has to do with character. Character because of two things. Look at what he says the tongue is. Character two things. He says, no one can tame the tongue for two reasons. Number one, it is a restless evil. Look at the verse. It is a, wow, it is a restless evil. And the second thing he says, is full of deadly foe. let Let's spend a moment on this one. I was trying to think of an analogy, an example of how to personify or exemplify a restless evil. What does a restless evil even look like? But it gives you an idea. The tongue, it can't get rest until it creates something. It just creates something, something. It has to say something. It can't handle peace. It can't handle when everything's okay. It can't handle when everybody's loving. Someone has to, they just have to say something to kind of get everything up in arms. And ruin the peace, ruin the joy, ruin the moment, ruin the decision, ruin the happiness, ruin the celebration, ruin something or the other. It is a restless evil and it doesn't rest until it does something wicked. The second example he gives is, or the second picture he gives is, is full of deadly poison. Now you tell me, what is the purpose of poison? What is the purpose of poison? And when you, when you think about deadly poison... Where do you you find it? What do you think about? A snake. You think about a snake. You think about it biting it, its victim. And when it bites its victim and it inserts and leaves the poison, that poison cripples. That poison cripples its victim and then it's able to have lunch. You and I, we don't have lunch. We just cripple. We just cripple. And here we have it. First, it is a restless evil. Second, it is a deadly poison. Full of deadly poison. What does it mean? That every time this tongue speaks, somebody gets hurt. Somebody gets crippled. Somebody. See, it's about character. That's why we said number four is Talking is how we reveal our nature. Talking is how we reveal our nature. This restless evil, this full of deadly poison member, with this tongue, with this tongue, we do two things. We bless our Lord and Father in heaven and we curse man who is made in the image of our Lord and Father in heaven. I find it's very funny how James adds that. He could have just said we curse man, right? But he says we curse man who's made in the image of our Lord and Father. So we bless you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We, we bless your holy name. Hallelujah. 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 When you're not sure, just to make sure. And we bless you. But whatever is made in your image, we curse. We bless the Father, Father makes man in His image, and we curse the man. Interesting observation James is making here. But don't miss it, okay? Don't miss it. Don't miss what he's really saying. He's not saying you do both these things and that's not okay. Look at what he's really saying. With it, we bless off our Lord and Father, and we curse people who are made in the likeness of God, from the same mouth, blessing and cursing. And James has two admonitions for us. James has two admonitions for us. The first one he says, teachers, teachers should be especially careful as teachers are gonna be judged with the greatest strictness. Verse one, jumping back to verse one, he says, teachers. Why? Because with our words we influence. With our words we build people up. With our words we direct the life of people. We tell you the direction of your life. We set people in a particular course. And teachers who take to the pulpit, teachers who take to the podium, teachers who seek to influence other people's lives with their words are even greater judgment going to be judged with greater strictness because they are choosing to influence people with their words. Talk about preachers and talk about the pulpit. The pulpit is holy. The preacher is not holy, but the pulpit is holy. The messenger is not holy, but the message is holy. So the messenger better get his act together and know what he's dealing with over here. This is not a place for personal opinion. This pulpit is not a place for, for personal vendetta to get shots and take shots at people. This is not a place to put people down or put people up. This is not a place to, be, to gain personal wealth. This is not. This is a holy place. And when the word of God is spoken, that That's preaching. Preaching is the vocalization of what God has said in his written word. So Jesus said, I came preaching. He says, I send you out. And today, even today, in the 21st century, in the age of Instagram and video and graphics and effects, preaching is still preaching. Why? Because when I say to you, the word of God changes your life. It changes your thinking and it sets your life in a course. People make decisions based on what I say. People make, marry people based on what I say. People name the kids. People, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about the power of the pulpit. And based on, so he's saying you better, you better be sure about this. You better be careful. Teachers, don't be too quick to become preachers. You think twice before you go to preach. There's no glamour in it. Because you will affect many people. And the second uh, admonition James has is, Brothers, this must not be. What's he talking about? He's saying, out of the same mouth, blessing and cursing. And he's saying, brothers, uh uh-uh, this cannot be. This is wrong. This is not in the community of faith. It's wrong. He says, as he breaks it down, he says, Does a spring pour forth from the same mouth fresh and salty water? answer no can a fig tree bear olives answer no of course not well neither can a salt pond yield fresh water James break it down what are you saying James he's saying if you're going to bless and if you're going to curse both are coming from the same pond the pond is either salty or the pond is fresh you can't have both coming so one of the two is fake One cancels the other. And I can tell you that your curses are not the one getting cancelled. Your curses cancel the blessing. Your curses cancel the blessing. The negativity, the poison of our tongue cancels the blessing that we give. We can bless our father in heaven and we curse him. And the moment we have cursed him, he cancels out the blessing. It doesn't mean anything. All the worship, all the hallelujahs are suddenly canceled out and they are not, they're not acceptable because they couldn't possibly have come from your heart. If you can say that to your sister, if you can say that to your brother, if you can say that to your daughter, if you can talk like that to people, if you can walk like that, then you can't possibly be truly worshiping. Because salty water doesn't come from a fresh spring. You go back to the spring and he says, brothers, this cannot be. It's not possible. So one is going to cancel out the other, and you can be sure that blessing doesn't cancel out cursing. (laughs) Kitana can blessing to cancel out all the cursing that has been done? Right? And the other is annulled. So James holds back and says, one of the two is fake, you've got to rethink this. You've got to rethink this. Let's get down to business. Let me give you three Fs, like my report card. Let me give you three Fs for you to go home and practice this. And get better with uh, controlling your tongue. Okay? Three ways to regret less. That's the name of this sermon today. That's the title of the sermon today. Number one is fill. Number two is filter. Number three is format. Number one is fill. Fill, fill. Fill. Fill your heart with praise. That's your pond. That's your pond. Fill your heart with praise. Not your words with praise. Fill your... Heart with praise. A grateful person doesn't curse. A grateful person will not spend time wallowing in what they have not been given. Fill your heart with praise. Fill your heart with the promises of God. Fill your heart with the knowledge of God. Fill your heart with the thoughts of God. You fill your heart. It comes from the word of God. Number two is filter. Have you heard that word? Filter. Filter every word you say. Why? Because you're influential. Somebody's listening to you. At least you're somebody's best friend. Filter. Whatever things are pure, whatever things are holy, of good repute, honorable. Think on these things. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Do you have a filter? Or once the motor starts running, then may God help you. You made me say it. Really? Really? Did I come and open your mouth? You made me say it. Filter every word. Why? Because by your words, you are staining the rest of your body. By your words, you are staining all the other organs. By your words, you are setting a direction for your own faith, for your own life. By your words, you're setting a direction for others. Think before you speak. Think before you speak. That means have a filter. You need to get the filter from God. Please don't get your own filter. God has to have that filter. God has to have a filter. God has to, has to be able to grab your lips. Give God the permission to grab your lips, to bite your tongue. Because even if you think it but you don't say it, you get credit. Thank God. Because my brother bodhisattva teacher is so damn But you have not heard me say that. Get credit. So you think but you have a filter, and that filter is your character. Listen to me, our brain will think a lot of things. Don't feel guilty for a thought. But when your filter is working, no matter what dirt comes through the pipeline, what comes out of it from your mouth is what you get judged for with your character. And I love the fact that God gives us that one chance. Filter every word you say. Why? Because you are influential. Number three, format your memory. Format your memory. This is a computer term. It's something we were very familiar back 10 years ago. Not so much today. But I reformatted my C drive many, many times. (laughs) Many, many times. So with Apple, you could go to a restore point or some other computers as well. And you can go back to a point where it last worked well. And you can do a system restore. But in the case where even the system restore doesn't work, we have something known as reformatting your hard drive. And when you reformat your hard drive, they'll tell you, you're going to lose everything. Are you prepared to lose everything? And you say, yes. And it wipes it clean, and you watch your life go away. Right? Okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. When you were five years old, you have memories of being abused or being robbed or your favorite toy was taken from you or somebody was, was mean to you or your older sister, older brother, whatever. I was a terrible older brother, by the way. Sorry, Sandy and Sharon. <laughs> when you were eight years old, when you were nine years old, you probably said things to, You were treated in a certain way. And certain things and memories and ways that people dealt with you and ways that you dealt with stuff. You were either fashioned and habit made, you made it a habit, or you were allowed by a bad parenting of your mother or your absent parenting of your father to continue in those ways. Like when a two-year-old starts crying like a mad person because they're not getting what they want, and the parent allows that, it becomes a pattern. When the teenager, boy or girl, starts raising their voice in the house and knows by pattern that every time I raise my voice, everybody in the house comes under my control because they are more interested in the peace of the home than in what I'm saying, I begin to now tell myself that I can be valuable in what I'm saying by simply raising my voice. So now I start screaming like a mad dog. And everybody falls in line with what I want, gives me what I want just to keep the peace in the home. So now you start controlling that that way in the home. What do you think you're going to do when you go to work? What do you think you're going to do when you go to work? The same thing. Whether you're a teacher at school or whether you're running a factory or whether you're running an office, you will do the same thing. Your same systems of behavior that you learned when you were a child Same behavior that was allowed to you when you were a child. Same permissions that were given to you just to keep you out of their business. And you thought you always got your way because you're more influential. Nah, they just wanted peace, man. They let you have their way. They let you speak. They let you scream. They didn't let you do what you want because they didn't... Not that they valued what... They just wanted you to shut up. And you raised your voice or you did what you did. And whenever you did that... People all around saying, oh, he should get angry. He'll get angry. He'll do this. He'll do. The same thing you bring to the workplace and you contaminate the workplace with that same childlike, immature behavior. Leaders going all the way to the top and being insecure and using pulpits, using uh, positions, using money and using finances to control people and manipulate people in the same way they did when they were five-year-olds. Because I know when I scream, you can't talk back to me. And I know when I don't pay you, you can't strike. you know what I'm saying? These patterns are in our life. And we have built these patterns based on what people have said to us or based on what we have said in our self-fulfilling prophecy. So I need to go back and not work out all of those issues, go see a therapist and try and figure out why I'm such a mess. I need to go back and clean out the hard drive. Now, what happens when you clean out your C drive? You need to reprogram. Otherwise, it'll just be a dead piece of device, right? You need to reprogram it. You need to load up Microsoft Office again. You need to load up your operating software again. You need to load up antivirus all over again and everything fresh. And at that moment, you have the option of loading the old program or loading something new. Why do you read your Bible? Why should you read your Bible every day? Because you're reformatting your hard drive. And with reformation of hard drive, old habits are broken, old patterns are broken, and when your past thinking changes your present talking, it will change your future actions. Your past thinking, Is changed, it will change your present talking. You won't speak defeated. You won't speak negative. You won't speak hopeless. You won't speak dismayed. You'll speak hope. You'll speak promise. You'll speak assertion. You'll speak. You won't speak about the future based on what you have seen in the past. The past is wiped clean. No matter what you failed at, no matter how you dealt with, no matter how things, life was, it's past, it's gone, it's wiped clean. That's not the pattern of your life. You are being changed. From glory to glory, you are being changed. And as you are being changed, you look forward to now new ways of speaking to your spouse, to your child, to your colleagues. New ways of thinking, new ways of acting. With every head bowed and every eye closed, God has given each and every one of us a tongue. God has given us speech. God has given us influence. God has given us a warning. James says, teachers, you especially be careful. James says, brothers, this should not be. Blessing does not cancel cursing. Cursing cancels our blessing. It just proves what your heart's all about. You need to change your heart. So you fill your heart with praise you filter every word you say and you format your memory what do you have to say to God about how you have spoken about you your use of your tongue the damages you have done the damage that has been done to you by the word said what is your business with God today what do you want God to do what do you want God to say I will bless you with my whole heart, O God. Your praise will continually be on my lips. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each and every one of us through this week and even forevermore. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace.